Would you all remain standing as we hear the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 40? Thank you. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued on for some time in custody. Well, one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Well, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker 
as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Naomi. Well, today I'm going to teach you about Revelation. Don't worry, not the book of Revelation. Everybody's heart just skipped a beat for a second there. Today I want to talk about revelation and illumination. These two words that I'm not going to mention explicitly a ton, but there are two concepts that uh, I'm going to be talking about a lot today. Um, And so revelation is something that is to be revealed, something that's revealed, and illumination is something that is understood. So revelation, something that is revealed, illumination, something that is understood. When I say the word revelation, what do you think about? And you can answer. Nobody, okay, we're not in that kind of church, got you. Uh, The book of Revelation, okay. (laughs) Sorry, Albert, (laughs) didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) The book of Revelation is what I think about. Um, If you say, oh, I was walking down the street the other day and I had a revelation, uh, I should start riding my bike more or something like that. That's a revelation. But I think that the book of Revelation is our best example of why illumination is something. Because revelation has been revealed to us, but we don't get it, okay? We need understanding. We need to understand. And so when I started thinking about illumination, I started to ask myself that same question. What, what do I know about illumination? Where have I heard that before? And I started thinking, I really I haven't heard it much before. Um, and then I realized illumination is part of my day every single day. It's part of my life every single day because... Uh, in our neighborhood, to get in and out of our neighborhood the way that we go, uh, you pass by this building, and it's called the Illumination Training Center. The Fairbaugh's probably know it well, or you've never seen it. I have no idea. Um, but it's kind of like in an ambiguous location. Like, if you don't look over there, uh, or if you don't pay attention that there's something there, you won't see it, except when there's a bunch of children there. And so there's hordes of children running everywhere, and I'm trying not to hit them with my car because that's highly illegal and dangerous. Um, but... I started noticing it maybe just a couple months ago, and we've lived there for a year, so I'm not the most observant person, obviously. Um, But I started noticing a few months ago, and I started asking myself, like, what is this place? What is the Illumination Training Center? Um, And if you're like me, your mind kind of goes everywhere when you don't know something. And then I started thinking, Illumination Training Center, it sounds like a cult. It sounds like something weird is happening here. They have a bunch of children. Some bad news is happening here. My kid was just born. I'm worried every time we drive by. Um, That's just where my mind went. You know, my mind goes to weird places when I don't know, uh, when I I don't have understanding. And so then, probably about a month or two ago, I asked Leah, I was like, what what on earth is this place? And she's like, it's a gymnastics center for little kids learning about gymnastics. And I was like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I didn't think it was a cult or anything like that. But it's a gymnastics place, and all I had to do was ask. And so I was given these clues, but I needed help to understand. And I think that par- runs parallel with our passage here today. We have the cupbearer and the baker. Um, one lives, one doesn't. 
You just read that. Um, and they were very uncertain. They were disturbed, disoriented, because they didn't know what their dream meant. And then we have Joseph as the person who, who knows what their dreams meant, and he illuminated them. He revealed it to them and helped them understand. And I want to focus on this today because I think that we often find ourselves in this situation. When life comes at us, when we experience life, uh, we, we have it revealed to us in a sense, like life happens to us, but we don't understand what is going on. We don't understand what it means, what the implications are, or why it's happening. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Let's pray. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in the ways that you do um, and concealing yourself in the ways that you do. And thank you for illuminating us. Thank you for bringing us understanding of who you are. God, we ask that you would help us to run to you. It's an invitation, God, when we're confused, but that we would run to you when we don't understand. Amen. So, we're going to start off today with this one assumption that God is a God who reveals. So, God likes to reveal himself. Background story to where we're at right now. We've got chapter 39 on this side. We just talked about it last week. We're talking about chapter 41 next week. That's how that works, numbers. Um, But chapter 39 kind of sets the tone for why Joseph is here. It explains why Joseph is in jail, okay? He had this thing with Potiphar's wife, and she wrongly accused him, and then... He was put in jail, okay? We don't really know how the cupbearer and the baker got here, but these are our three main characters today, or the three characters we're talking about today. Joseph, the cupbearer, and the baker, okay? Now, chapter 41 is usually linked very closely with chapter 40 because it's also talking about dreams, okay? So you just heard these crazy dreams here, and we often link it with chapter 41 because there's more crazy dreams in chapter 41. Um, But today... Since I was assigned just chapter 41, it it works out that I want to slow down and just focus on chapter 41 today. And I think it's actually really important to do that, or 40, thank you, Lem, I want to focus on chapter 40 today. Um, But I think it's really important to do that because when I read this story, I just skip ahead to 41 because it doesn't make sense really by itself. It's It's kind of this like setup for what's happening next. And that's not to say that we shouldn't le- read large swaths of the Bible. Okay, we should. That, reading in chunks is one of the best way, ways to read the Bible. But I think that we would maybe miss what the author is trying to tell us about Joseph here in chapter 40 and what he's also trying to tell us. So in verse 6, it says, When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. Okay, so Joseph went to the cupbearer and to the baker, and they were troubled. He saw that they were sad. He saw that they were distressed. But why? Okay, let's read again. Verse 8, they said to him, We have had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. So why were the cupbearer and the baker upset? Why were they sad? Why were they disoriented? Is it because they dreamt? No, it's because they did not understand what their dreams meant, okay? So what I find really interesting from verse eight is what Joseph says. He says, do not interpretations belong to God, okay? And then 
my assumption, if I just read that, would be that Joseph would then say, so go tell God about your, your dreams so he can give you an interpretation. But then Joseph says, tell them to me. <laughs> and it's like this, like, pause, time out. Do you think you're God? Like, what are you, what are you doing here, Joseph? But what this is highlighting is that Joseph is representing God. He's speaking on behalf of God here, okay? And this becomes known to even Pharaoh in the next chapter. Chapter 41, verse 38 says about Joseph, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? This is Pharaoh saying this about Joseph in the next chapter. And Pharaoh will go on to talk about how wise and discerning Joseph is like nobody else. So this idea of dreams is kind of a big one. Um, We could have gone in so many directions with this sermon. I could have just talked about dreams the whole time. I could have talked about the movie Inception the whole afternoon, but it confuses me more than anybody else. Um, We could have really focused on Joseph here, okay? At at the end of this chapter, uh, Joseph was forgotten about. We just read that. Um, And there's a lot that could be kind of discussed there. But I want to focus on the cupbearer and the baker today, because again, I think that's where we find ourselves most often. And so the cupbearer and the baker have these dreams, right? We've all had dreams, some we'd like to share, some we wouldn't like to share. But in ancient Egypt, and this is very similar to other cultures, um, they had this kind of almost a scientific method of how to interpret dreams, okay? Um, you, you have heard of maybe the magicians or the, uh, the people who could, had special powers in Exodus in Egypt. Um, they were trying to replicate the plagues, okay? This is a similar thing that's happening here is that when somebody would have a dream, They would go to um, this magician or kind of like a sorcerer or something mystical, and they would tell their dreams to them, and then the interpreter would tell them what it meant. Um, I was trying to think of an example of what this is like, Um, and so I think a couple people in here have done Ouija board stuff, right, Tex? Was that you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, all the time. Okay, all the time. Ask Tex about his Ouija board story. It's hilarious. but kind of, I was trying to think of what's a good example of what this is like. Uh, we could think about like astrology, where you know whenever you were born and however the stars are aligned, that, then you're going to have this happen to you. I don't, I don't get it. Um, that's one of the biggest farces there is, by the way, just the astrology stuff. Um, you could do like palm reading, which is right there with astrology. Um, and then I don't know if this is in the same vein, but uh, I was talking to Leah this week. Leah is doing a counseling degree right now, and she was taking this class, um, and they were learning about this thing called sand tray therapy. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. Like, it reminds me of what's kind of happening here. And so what they do, it's usually with kids, but it can happen with adults. So they take this tray of sand, okay? It's pretty shallow, but maybe about as big as this podium. And they place it in front of a kid, and they give the, the child access to all the toys that they want, And they say, hey, play with the sand, play with the toys. And they don't give any more instruction, really. And the kid goes and plays in the sand with the toys. And then when they're done, they just leave it there. And you're left with this kind of mess of sand and toys. And the counselor, the person doing the therapy, looks at that, and they kind of interpret what this means. A lot of uh, people believe that what you put in the center of your sand tray is what's bothering you most or what you think is most important. Um, I won't share the details on Leah's sand tray, but uh, she had nothing in the center, so that feels great. Um, 
But uh, it's this idea that you're handed something, the counselor is, and they have to interpret what it means, and different counselors may think it's different than somebody else. And so that's kind of what Joseph is doing here with these dreams, okay? Um, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know if uh, Joseph was told by God, like, okay, if they have baskets on their head, that means they're going to die. Or if God was just directly speaking through Joseph, I have no idea how that works. Um, But what the author is trying to highlight here is that Joseph is the one who could understand. So Joseph is the one who has been close to God. He's the one that's righteous. He can interpret and explain the dreams. So God reveals himself in many ways. We know this. I've talked to many people in this room about how they first became a Christian, how they first decided they wanted to follow Jesus. Um, Part of my story, part of several of the people in our community group's story is that they first understood who God was and how God cared for the world because of Christian community, Christians caring for each other. That's a way that God reveals himself. Right here in this passage, we have God revealing himself through dreams. Um, It can be a hot button, hot topic issue uh, if you think that you have a dream from God and I think that you don't have a dream from God. Who knows? But there are people who really believe that God is speaking through dreams. Uh, My dreams, I don't think God, I hope God's not speaking through them because most of my dreams are like Shaquille O'Neal cornering me and throwing like dodgeballs at me. And I don't know what that means, but I don't want that to be true. Um, but there's been a handful of times where I've thought, oh, maybe, maybe God is trying to speak to me through uh, these dreams. Now, if you know anything about um, Christianity throughout the world right now, you may know that in the Muslim world, in the majority Muslim world, uh, like there's a large belief, there's tons of accounts that God is speaking through dreams to people who, who have no idea about Jesus. They say that, I have this dream about a man in white and he told me to go talk to this person or go to this store or go wherever and they're handed a Bible or somebody tells them the gospel. There's plenty of ways that God reveals himself and one of the best ways that we have been made known of who God is is by the incarnation, okay? God choosing to become a human being along with us, okay? God wants to be known, God, I think this is really cool. God has chosen to use words and metaphors to help us understand who he is, okay? He didn't have to do that. You know, we understand words and God has chosen to reveal himself through words to us. Spoken and heard, written and read. There's whole areas of theology that are based on the revelation of God Okay, we have, usually it's split up into two types. It's general revelation and special or specific revelation. Um, General revelation, many of us have experienced this. Okay, it's kind of like when you're out in the middle of the woods, you're you're on a mountaintop or the beach or wherever, and you just have this sense of awe. And you, you say, how could I not believe that God is real? Like, God has to be real, look at this. And then special or specific revelation is more, typically more talking about what is necessary for our salvation, so how we know that God is true and that what God has said he has done, he's actually done, uh, centering around the word and the Bible. But what I want to highlight right here is um, 
that one of the huge parts of revelation when it comes to theology that isn't talked about a lot is illumination, okay? And illumination is often looked at as kind of the last step of revelation. It's that we would actually understand what has been revealed to us. And so just like what I said about the book of Revelation earlier, we've been revealed so many things about God, but we do not understand everything about God and how he's working in our world. We struggle to understand how God is working, and we need somebody to help us. I think we resemble a lot less with Joseph. With this in mind, we resemble a lot less with Joseph than with the cupbearer and the baker in our story today because we live our lives not understanding often. Verses 9 through 11 say this. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them down uh, into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And then verses 16 and 17 say this. This is the, the chief baker's dream. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> There were three cake baskets on my head, and the uppermost of the basket, or in the baskets, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And so I wish, I really truly wish that none of us had heard this story before, and we didn't just read this, because I would want to ask you the question what does this dream mean? What do these dreams mean? <laughs> would you have known? You can be honest, would you have known? what this dream meant, these dreams meant, if you weren't told, because I wouldn't have. I think the only indicator of difference here is that one has birds eating from their head, and that just sounds kind of gross. Uh, one doesn't have birds eating from their head, but otherwise I would have no idea what it means. And I think this is a really important thing to stop and listen to here, because I think that the author is trying to highlight that Joseph is the only one in this story that understands. Not even the readers understand what this means. Uh, if we understood, the author wouldn't have put the explanation from Joseph in here because why would we need it? Of course we would understand it. The cupbearer and the baker, remember, it wasn't their issue that they dreamt, it was that they did not understand what their dreams meant. One commentator put it like this, and I think this is really helpful. A dream without an interpretation is like getting a diagnosis without a prognosis. Have you ever had an illness or an ailment that couldn't be figured out? Or have you been diagnosed with something and you know what's wrong with you, but you don't know how it's going <laughs> yeah, to, yes, Cheryl, yes, but you don't know how uh, it's going to pan out or how long it's going to take for your recovery or if you're going to recover? When I was uh, in college, uh, I was playing football with some buddies um, in my dorm, and it was snowing, and this will be the last time I do that, and you'll hear why. Um, because I slipped, and my knee buckled and locked into place, so it was kind of like somewhere in between straight and like 90 degrees, 
just buckled into place. And so a couple of my friends helped me hobble back to the dorm, and we got my car keys, picked up Leah, and then we went to the ER, met some responsible adults at the ER, hoping that they would be able to fix or pay for <laughs> my, my visit. But when we got there, uh, the nurse or the doctor, whoever it was, I don't know the terminology for people in the ER, I'm sorry. Um, but they started like yanking on my leg and they started trying to bend it back and forth. And there's since this moment, I've thought of so many sermon analogies, not this one, but there's so many sermon analogies with them trying to force my knee back into place when it just wasn't gonna happen. Um, and so they finally told me, you have a torn meniscus, it's called a bucket hand handle tear. It's where the meniscus, the ligament on the side, goes underneath your kneecap, and it kind of locks it into place. It sounds a lot worse than it is. It's not that bad. Um, but in the moment, I was freaking out, okay? Because I wanted to graduate on time. I wanted to get a job. I wanted to get married. I wanted to do all these things. And so I had to wait. It, it probably was the next day. But it felt like I waited like two weeks for an MRI, okay? You know how that is. When you, when you need an MRI really bad or need some kind of doctor visit really bad, of course they're booked for, for forever. And so I really needed this MRI. But in the meantime, when I was waiting, that's what ate me alive, okay? It was this terrible feeling. I started to get paranoid and question, you know, what's going to happen? Like, is Leah going to want to still marry a guy with a bum knee? And... Of course, that's, of course, that's a dumb thing, a silly thing to think, but that's where my mind was going because when we don't understand, our mind goes to some really wild places. Talk to anybody who has applied to something before, whether it's a job or college. They haven't heard back yet. It's the in-between time. It's the waiting that is the worst, right? Yeah, yes, Tom understands. It's the waiting that's the worst. If you just knew that you got the job or didn't get the job or got into college or didn't get into college, you could cope, you could deal with it. But it's the in-between time that is the worst. You read into every detail. And I think the same is true of what happens in our world, okay? What on earth is going on in Europe right now? The pandemic has been so confusing for us, okay? I don't know how many times somebody on this stage has talked about the, should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask? Should I get a vaccine, should I not get a vaccine? Like, we, we've been given this information and we don't know what to do with it. We don't understand it, okay? Your confusion, your, your disorientedness, it could be part of your family, could be in work, other relationships. We see the signs of things being confusing. We don't know what it means, but we don't know how to understand it. And I don't think that we're meant to understand it all. We're very limited people. What is it that you feel unsure about? What disturbs you? What is something that's out of your control that you want to control, you don't understand it? Or what is your lingering why? Could be a question about God, his work, where, where are you, God? To kind of highlight this, I want you to think for a second, for those of us who are Christians in this room, think of something that in the moment you didn't understand how God was working or how he could possibly ever work. And then later on, maybe even years later, you see kind of it comes full circle. And you're like, wow, like, thank you for doing that, God. Even though in the moment you wouldn't have said that. It might have been a relationship that ended and then all of a sudden, now you have your spouse or your best friend. It might have been you got laid off from your job, 
and it lets you have this other great job. This doesn't always happen. But think about that for a second. And now think about (laughs) something that hasn't kind of been tied up nicely. When you just lost your job and you didn't get a nice new job. What's something that you've always wondered about that kind of seems like a loose end? You don't know how God has worked. This brings us to where we are right here, that Jesus actually understands what's going on. He, he can help us understand what's going on in our world and with us, but he also is with us. Verses 20 through 22 say, On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted it to them. Okay, so the cupbearer is brought back to his position and the baker is killed. This shouldn't be surprising because Joseph said that this was going to happen. Okay, and that's, that's what the author is highlighting, that Joseph said that this was going to happen and then it actually did happen. And if we are more similar to the cupbearer and the baker, I'm not really focusing on what happened to them, okay? Because that means half of us in here would get impaled when we left. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But what I'm trying to focus on is that we are not Joseph in this story, but we're the cupbearer and the baker, okay? And this confronts our inability to understand, which all of us probably annoys to no end that we cannot understand something. And Joseph, so many times throughout his story, from 37 to 50, is meant to point us to somebody else. It's pointing us to Jesus, okay? That shouldn't be news to you. But Joseph is meant to point us to Jesus. And that's what's happening here, by Joseph being the illuminator, Joseph being the one who understands. Back in verse 8, it says, Don't interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me. We've heard that. This is similar, I think, I was reminded of in Mark 2 when uh, might have been the religious leaders, it was the crowds, and they said to Jesus, he was, he was healing and forgiving sins, and they, they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? It's this connection between Jesus and God, this humanity and God. And then in chapter 41, we talked about how Joseph, Pharaoh noticed that Joseph had the spirit of God in him, that he was discerning, that he was wise. He said, there's nobody this wise, there's nobody this discerning. Reminds me of in John 7, when they said, no one ever spoke the way this man does. That's what the guards said. No one ever spoke this way, the way that this man does. They're talking about Jesus. So it's this astonishing difference between everybody else and Joseph and everybody else and Jesus. Then we can look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, We speak of the mysterious and hidden wisdom of God, which he destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for them who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. 
So the Spirit has revealed to us, Jesus and the Spirit have revealed to us God, what is necessary for our salvation, and the works of God. Okay, some of the works of God have been revealed to us. The issue is that we're so self-reliant that when we are confused or don't understand something, we kind of create our own worlds of confusion and our own mess of being disturbed. And we desperately try to understand what we cannot understand on our own. Or we swing the other way and just give up completely. We're fatalistic. We don't care anymore. And I think this dynamic between us and the spirit, us and Jesus, is like a parent and a child. Okay, the Bible has these examples all over, talking about God with us. But a child, and I know this because I'm a father now, so I'm kind of an expert on this, but a child doesn't understand how the world works, okay? A child is going through life just sucking their thumbs and uh, sucking the money out of your bank accounts and all these other wonderful things, but they don't understand how the world works. And so some, when something comes up and they don't understand it, uh, like, why do I have to go to school? Okay, I don't have to deal with that yet, but why do I have to go to school? Or why did I get cut from this team? Or like, why do we have to move away from all of my friends? A, a child doesn't understand all those things. And a parent doesn't always understand those things, but sometimes they do, often they do. And so they can try to help the child understand those things. Or a really good parent may just be with them in their sadness, in their confusion. We don't have everything we need to understand how God works in this world. <clears throat> and so that is an invitation for us to pray. Okay, we just had a whole series on prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And there's many different types of prayers that we've talked about. And I would invite you to pray maybe through a psalm this week. This has been really helpful for me. There's plenty of psalms that ask the question, why, God? <laughs> Essentially asking, like, what are you doing? Or why is this happening to me? Okay, there's a very honorable way to pray that. But I think we also need to, and this ties in with what Josh was talking about last week, I think we need to broaden our scope with how God may be working, how God may be revealing himself, and how God may be illuminating himself, or illuminating us to himself. And so, because we're good Protestants, we want to read the Bible and we want to pray. And I think that's amazing. That's what we should be doing. Like, I'm not trying to replace that at all. But I think we can broaden our perspective to how God may be working as well. Josh talked last week about how the very thing, prison for Joseph, that was terrible, was awful for him, was in the moment he could have asked the question, God, what are you doing? Was the very thing that allowed him to be in this place, which brings him to chapter 41, which brings him further and further down the line. Okay, but in the moment, being in prison, nobody wants that. That seems awful. And so, Things like, and this is all through prayer, this is all through reading the Bible, things like your relocation, okay, if you have to relocate, or if you have a new neighbor moving in next to you, or if you get in a car accident, or if you have to switch jobs, any of these things that just seem kind of like everyday life or just once in a blue moon type things, like getting in an accident, I hope that's not part of your everyday life, but things that just happen in our life may be ways that God is trying to reveal himself to us. And that brings us to a challenge. And this is a challenge that I tried to give myself this week and I failed pretty robustly at. Um, so hopefully you're better than I am. 
But think about something in your life. I've already asked you to do this kind of, but think about something in your life that just seems kind of unfinished or seems random even. Something from in your past or something that's coming up or something that's happening right now. Something that's nagging at you that's always kind of been in the back of your head and you're asking the question, God, why'd you do this? It doesn't have to be something that you're really sad about necessarily. Okay, it can be. God, why did you take this from me? But it could be, but it could just be a normal, like, God, wow, why was that person in my life for a year? Like, I was friends with them for a year or two, and then, like, you know, I just don't hear from them again. These confusing things are invitations to God. It could be, uh, you could be asking about a relationship that has ended, okay? I know many of us that are estranged from people in our families can ask the question, God, why? Like, I don't see you working here. Some of us have lost family members that we care about deeply. It could be a sin issue in your life that has been going on for as long as you can remember, and you just keep doing it. You don't want to do it anymore, but it hasn't been taken from you, or some event in the past, whatever it may be. Because God wants to help us understand how he's working in his world. And I want to close here because I could have kind of added more there to tie it up and talk a little bit more about how God does like to reveal how he's working in the world. But after kind of some of the events that happened this week with the shooting of children, um, there was a report that confirmed a lot of what we had already heard about a lot of terrible things happening in the church. There's been people that we know that are having really hard times. Like, all of us have these things going on. And I think it's important to note that God doesn't always reveal what he's doing, okay? God doesn't always illuminate to us what he's doing. And that's okay for us to sit in that, okay? You can ask the question, why did God do this or that? Why did God have slavery in America? Why was there a Holocaust? Why was there a shooting of innocent children in Texas this week? And sometimes we get the answer to these really hard questions, but there's a lot of times that we don't, okay? And that's, that's okay to sit in that <laughs> and to be sad. We can trust that God knows all these things, but we can also trust that he's not going to reveal it all to us. And this brings us to the point that what else can we say besides why God has this happened? I want to trust you, but it's really hard to. But why has this happened? Our confusion, our uncertainty, it's an invitation to go to God, the God who knows. Our misunderstanding, our lack of understanding is an invitation to ask God how he may be moving or to just confess God I don't understand, but I believe that you are moving. Even when we don't know that God is moving, I believe that he's going to be with us like a good parent to their child. And maybe one day he'll reveal how he was moving through all these things. Let's pray. God, thank you for yeah, being with us. And thank you for working in our lives. You are not apathetic. You are not removed. You're very deeply and personally with us. 
Um, like the psalm says that in our trouble, you're very present, God. You're very present with us. So thank you. Thank you for being a God who reveals and a God who illuminates when he wishes to. God, help us to understand or to just think through these ways that we're uncertain about. And God, if you will, give us some sort of clarity or give us more trust when we don't understand. Amen.